Hi, this is Kathleen Peterson. Welcome to Backstage at the Customer Experience. Today, Hannah Karamanugian, our Director of Marketing and Operations, is with me to take us backstage at the Change Management Experience. Hannah is not only our uh, a senior consultant with Powerhouse, but she's also a licensed clinical psychologist. So she brings a particularly interesting aspect to um, the activities and the engagements that we will pursue when we are looking to make big changes, which are really common in our industry. So let's get started. Any of us who are involved in this industry understand that change is, a, it's almost a foundational element where there is no, um, no state of, 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 calm, let's say. So as we navigate through these days, particularly the pandemic has forced us into not only changes in the workplace, but changes in our personal lives. So how are we going to address this with our teams to keep the momentum building in the right direction? Because we're also facing, many folks are facing uh, customer bases that are upset, angry, in very bad situations, looking for help, uh, intolerant. So getting our people to be able to deal with all of the dynamics that are around them uh, is a challenge for a lot of folks. And for a lot of folks, they're experiencing a lot of growth. So as growth starts to occur within a very um, new environment, there are a lot of changes that are going to have to uh, be embraced. So um, we thought that we would have a conversation about this very important subject. And I'm going to let Hannah introduce us to, um, you know, an article, actually. we Hannah published an article in our Rants and Raves uh, a while back, and that's kind of what we're basing our conversation today on. So, hello, Hannah. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me join you. Um, yeah, so I think change is a part of our everyday life, and now more than ever, it is something I think we can't ignore. And I was, you know, recently looking at an article that I found in Business News Daily uh, that they published talking just about, you know, we've talked about how to embrace the change, but I think it's also important to talk about the impacts of change if you don't address it or create a change management plan. And so they had a study from the American Psychological Association that showed that employees who are impacted by change are twice as likely to suffer from chronic stress. Um, report prolonged stress. They're also four times as likely to have physical health ailments. Um, that could be anything from headaches to dizziness, shortness of breath. Um, and then also, if their change is not addressed appropriately or properly, they are um, more likely to have work-life balance conflict, feel cynical or negative towards their workday, and have lower job satisfaction. So from that perspective, See, I feel worse already. <laughs> a change management plan seems so crucial to the process or uh, look what you could have. have Could we make a banner that says change or else? Yeah. You will suffer. 
a big stop sign. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes I wonder if we're, um, you know, that people pussyfoot around this. Or yeah. one of the things that you talked about is, you know, ambivalence. So yes. it, that seems almost more difficult to address than the extremes of, you know, of of being completely subsumed by all yep. the things you just talked about or just being, you know, flatlining. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that you hit a key point. Um, a lot of times a resistance to change can appear as simple as that ambivalence or that cynicism that I don't care whatever happens is fine. Just do whatever you want to do. And people in the leadership positions, that that's an opportunity to address it because that is so normal. And addressing that that feeling is normal can squash that feeling right there. So not ignoring it when you see it is key to part of your change management plan. If you notice that and recognize it, address it and embrace it and allow people to feel it. Because if you try to tell them that they need to jump on board. They're more likely to jump right. off board. Yeah, really. That, that's uh, that's like trying to tell someone to calm down. Yes, exactly. Uh, no one has ever calmed down after being commanded to. Absolutely. Uh, get on board. Right. It's, uh, it's because I said so days are behind us. Yes. Much yes. as, you know, much as there's a certain appeal to that, if you're the one that is saying so. Right. Uh, you know, but uh, I think for the world that we're in today, I've always felt, and I think that we practice this pretty consistently in our work, is that inclusion uh, can be the methodology by which we bring people into change as opposed to simply informing them about the change. I completely agree. I think making especially your biggest resistors or the folks that you recognize are a little bit more cynical, pull those people in closer and make them your change agents, you know, make your, right. your change superheroes, bring them in and, and give them a voice to feel like they have a part of the whole process. You know, Keep I think your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> exactly. We're going to transform those enemies. <laughs> but I think I, I, I completely um, agree that when you watch that happen, you know, we have addressed the ambivalence. You've sort of recognized that those folks who are sometimes resistant, they're at least demonstrating something. Mm -hmm. um, or they're, it, it, and even if they're, you know, it sort of goes from resist to ambivalence to flatlining. So mm -hmm. if you can catch them at, you know, ambivalence, they might not get to resistance. Right. So engaging people in, and I, my, my experience really says that the resistance is often because a lack of understanding because let's face it most humans have the capacity to embrace change very quickly you know if you look at the smartphone adoption uh and social media explosions i mean those things didn't exist 10 or 12 years ago so uh, you know change isn't inherently bad uh it's just oftentimes challenged by Comfort? I don't know. What do you? What that are the forces? That was actually you. In a way, took the words right out of my mouth. I was just thinking, you know, change is challenged by discomfort and fear of the unknown. And 
you know, sometimes it's, you know, I'd, I'd rather have the devil I know beside me than the devil I don't know. And that, like you're saying, that lack of understanding, it's sometimes when you bring those people who are ambivalent or resistant in closer and you listen to them and you hear what their concerns are, you might even be have your eyes opened to your messaging might be messaging that benefits you. And you can tailor your messaging now to shift it to how does this benefit maybe the front line level, you know, so that it can be a very helpful and powerful tool to pull those people in closer and hear what their fears are or their, their confusion is. And I think in order to hear what that confusion and concern is, you really have to be able to ask effective questions. You, mm -hmm. you can't say, well, what, what don't you like about what we're doing? You know, it, <laughs> yes. it's, it's really about how would you do this? Or tell me, you know, tell me some. The other thing I think is a lot of times people get into a group think. And when you separate them from them and you talk through what the objectives are or, you know, what are your objectives? What do you think our customer experience objectives are? How have you seen us demonstrate that? Where do you think this would fit if, if all things were right, where do you think they'd fit? Or if they say something like, well, you know, nobody, uh, you know, nobody really cares about the customer out here. It's like, really, how did you arrive at that conclusion? And if you start to inquire to people as to how they formulated their beliefs, then a lot of times those beliefs start to crack because right. the evidence for them is so weak that they've just adopted something out of that stress and imbalance that they've been feeling and just translated it into um, a, a summary that, well, no one cares about me. No one cares about yes. the customer here, really. They're, you know, they don't do anything to take care of us. So I think being skilled from that perspective as a leader is incredibly, um, an incredibly important skill. Absolutely. And picking apart that all or nothing thinking to find out that maybe it was one occurrence that is now, like you're saying, summarizing an entire theory about a situation and being able to kind of blow that up and really understand what's going on. I think that's huge. And allowing, helping the person break up that all or nothing thinking too, to come to a more balanced perspective. Yeah. And that's really, that's kind of, uh, I guess, are we asking people to be psychologists? Or? <laughs> I, I actually don't think so. And I think some people who could hear that might think, well, I'm not a psychologist. But you are a leader and you right. are an influencer and you have to be able to engage in persuasion and, and, and influence. And that is so we can collectively not only meet our goals, but understand how each one of us can contribute to that objective. And I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing is it's about the the listening and the and the ability to, to empathize while still influencing and understanding their beliefs and try and in a way trying to uh move their thinking, help them move their thinking as opposed to try to move their thinking for them. Yes, I think that's exactly exactly what it is. And I think another key part of that too is is um, sharing information. So kind of like you talked about a lot of the, this fear or pushback can come from a place of confusion or lack of understanding. I think 
sharing information regularly and in different ways too. So not just one mode, you know, like you had said, pulling into smaller single one-on-one -on -one sessions to talk to people to share information, larger group sessions, uh, all different modes of and ways of communicating that information will help people to grasp it more. So not just an email blast, you know, or right, a right. monthly newsletter, but finding the creative ways to really try to hit all the options so that you can try to educate people so they can understand too. I was conducting a a seminar for a company, um, a utility company, uh, once years ago, and they scheduled the event at outside of the city. Um, it was outside of you know major city. So, but they thought they were doing something kind of nice to bring the folks outside. But it was in another one of their office buildings, real nice office building, nice training room, and all this stuff. So before the session began, I'm listening to people talking with one another. And they're like, this is a location, you know, for the new site. This is where we're moving. It's like, and they're all like, really? We're moving here? I'm not going to, I'm not going to come all the way out here to go to work. When did, when is it? They all had concocted this story. So when the executives arrived, you know, to introduce the thing, I said to them, are you guys moving? Because no, we're not moving. <laughs> I said, well, everybody in that room thinks you're moving. And it was just nothing but somebody planting a seed and then watching. I just watched this rumor grow. Right. And it was because there was a lack of information, because there was a discussion at a, an executive level to move the contact center. But that decision had been evaluated and eliminated. But the rumor got out on the evaluation, but it had not gotten out on the elimination. So the consequences of a lack of communication. Uh, and I think that can come in the form of newsletters or, um, you know, or, or, you know, when your intranet uh, pages mm -hmm. that you, you talk in talking, I think now more than ever, it's important to have like a um, spotlight section, you know, here's a spotlight on Hannah Karamanugian at powerhouse. This is what she does. These are her hobbies, you know, just so that because we're not necessarily close anymore, you know, being able to get our teams familiar with one another enough that they can have conversations, but we're also building in a network of sorts to depend on for building the momentum towards the changes that we want to have um, occur and familiarity and, um, you know, congeal, you know, the, the collegiate sort of uh, cohort mentality um, I think can 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 assist not only in difficult times, but it can assist, I think, in people feeling that they have other folks in the same boat or that they can talk to and that are going to be, um, you know, the people who hear what is being said and react to it. Right. You know, I, I can even imagine a, a, a an Internet with a, a, you know, a little interaction. So we talked to John this morning at customer service and asked him a little bit about what he thought about our quality program. You know, or you have anonymous things. We I mean, do things that are fun, not just, you know, so uh, like 
uh, you know, like, oh, here we are, we're going to be making a major move. And it's like, you know, that's that's the memo. <laughs> I think the memo of change is, is the thing that sounds like, a, you know, like you might as well have it read by a drone. <laughs> and I think you bring up a good point. You know, there was a conversation possibly about moving a contact center. It had been evaluated and decided upon. But in that whole process, it doesn't sound like maybe there was a change management plan put in place. And without a plan, conversations can seep out. Things can happen. Risks aren't mitigated. And then you have an entire group of people starting a rumor that they're all moving to this building 45 minutes away. So I think creating a plan for any initiative that you're going to embark upon is key to mitigating all of the risks along the way. Yeah, and I think it, it's it's the only key to keep people informed. And I, you know, even at, I I think when we look at any sort of um, massive, well, not even a massive change, but in the contact center, we should always have representation from the front line, mm-hmm. um, whether it be supervisors or agents. And even if you take a group of agents and put them in a room for an hour. And you will find more relevant, actionable information if you put them in the room with the right people. You put them in the room with someone who's just going to yapper at them. That's not going to make any difference. Uh, put them in Absolutely. a room with a facilitator uh, just to get their input uh, right. on the conditions, on if you could change one thing, what would it be, uh, and to make it a safe, you know, a safe place in which to conduct those kind of queries. But, you know, it can't be one and done. As you have indicated more than once during this conversation, You, ha- there has to be a plan. And you don't have to call it a change management plan. Right. It's really a communication plan. It, it's, you know, and if you call it something, something like business strategy updates, you know, then people start to feel like they've joined, they're a professional and not just a cog in the wheel of the enterprise. Sure. Yeah. So if I, you know, if I, that whole transformational vocabulary thing also becomes important in how people feel about themselves. And you pull those frontline, that frontline group into some type of a a session, and they can go back to the rest of the frontline and be your change champions. They, they seep that out to the rest of the group. And if they don't, I mean, research shows that. When they're going through change and they're not feeling included, employees are three times as likely to go look for a new employer during that change. So pulling them in may seem may seem like extra work, but what you're doing is you're protecting your front line and your retention. And I think we have uh, very much seen that uh, the ability for people to depart because they are not part of something bigger that's going on um mm-hmm. you know particularly i think centralization um initiatives that we've been part of uh are particularly sensitive outsourcing or overflowing uh contacts moving your location uh going to work at home uh there are so many things even a technology update or upgrade or change yeah is if, if they haven't at least had a chance to sit down at the table um, and and talk about what they what they would do you know if I used to use this question all the time if 
if the when when we were doing you know telecommunications designs like if your phone system could be any way at all what would it look like what would happen you know so if you if you ask questions and remove obstacles then people actually really sort of get to the fantasy and mm -hmm. that leads to i was going to say that leads to pleasure but um it <laughs> It does in terms of feeling like, you know, you're really, you've been able to just have this, you've been asked to imagine something from a professional perspective. I think people grossly underestimate the benefit, too, of treating your contact center staff from the, from the top to bottom as professionals. Yeah, you know, I, I try to encourage people to give your contact center people business cards. It costs next to nothing, and most of them have never had one. So, you know, you give the front line a business card, particularly if you're recruiting. Then when they when you ask your people to recruit, they have a, a means by which to do that. Yeah, and they feel empowered and important. Right. I think that's exactly. huge for retention and growth within the company. They'll want to stay. You know, they want to stay and grow with you. And I think, you know, you bring up a good, really good point about removing the obstacles and getting to the meat of what they could do also allows them to look at the benefit to them of the change. How right. does this change benefit me? How could this change benefit me? Which that right there fosters buy-in. When I think I'm going to benefit from it personally, I now want it. And that's that's a really interesting way to sort of wrap that um to, to wrap that around because that really is important to people mm -hmm. uh, that they, you know, they're part of it. Uh, yes. and, and I think that that's um, all of these, this, th these things sort of come together in terms of providing information, listening and empathizing with them, understanding that the ambivalence is normal. And in fact, that might be the exact point in time to capture that person and redirect them mm -hmm. uh, to become a part of the momentum to be, you know, instead of being, you know, ambivalence to me is like sitting still as opposed to moving, you know, down the the, the highway, so to speak. Um, you know, I think we talked about uh, asking good questions, uh, picking apart all of, you know, that, per, that, that individual's belief, giving them the opportunity to fantasize and imagine what is the best that we could be, and then pluck from that what we actually can incorporate. Um, so I think when we talk about change management plans, I think what we've done here is really talk about what's behind them, not necessarily what you put just on the plan. Exactly. I completely agree. We have to have something more, you know, substantial and um, some something invested in it and the tools and consistency. So you can't be a one trick pony. You know, it's <laughs> like we used to say, you know, it's like it's like giving ice cream to combat troops. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's really not, um, you know, it's like we're going to have a pizza party because all of your shifts are changing. Well, that's not really a great idea. <laughs> all of these things we talked about just help the plan that you've created on paper grow and take root. I think that's perfectly said, and it's a good place to uh, to wrap this conversation up. And I'm 
very appreciative of your uh, your expertise in this arena, Hannah, and we will uh, look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining us. If you have comments, questions, concerns, we can be reached at info at powerhouse1, that's the digit1.com. Till next time, be well.